So if I want to think back about the times when I felt like I needed help, it's because I felt that I was stuck. Sometimes I did not have enough emotional reserves or energy or confidence to make that decision on my own. My first car, it was out of necessity. It is nobody have time for making, should I do this or should I do that? It's this is how much money you have. <laughs> Correct. You have no options. So this is your, what you get. Your options are in this, this, or this. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. Today, we are talking about decision-making. There are lots of times in adulthood where we struggle to make big and difficult life decisions. Should I have a child? Should I end a relationship? Should I try out this career? Should I buy this house? How do we learn to trust our own intuition? Today on the show, I have with me executive communications coach, Monique Russell. She runs her own practice called Clear Communication Solutions. Her company focuses on helping leaders and teams have positive and productive relationships at home and work using effective communication tools and strategies. And if you haven't already, check out the new Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias animated series. There, you can review a few captivating moments from each episode in animated form. Check out the description section for a link to the series. Monique, thank you so much for coming on to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. Hello, Caspi. Hi, Monique. How are you? Just great. I just finished my presentation, so I am rocking and rolling. Awesome. <laughs> Today's topic focuses on how to decide a life for yourself, if you will. Would you be able to walk us through like a couple of examples where you yourself were trying to make a decision through adulting and um, rather than listen to yourself, you decided to go with other people and see exactly what their thoughts were as far as how you should move throughout your life? So I'll give you some examples. So when I was, for example, trying to find the job that I wanted, my so-called dream job, right? Um, <laughs> that was a huge decision that I had to make. And I first wanted to find an opportunity in the field of journalism because that's what I wanted. Then I had my graduate degrees. And after I wasn't really getting any success there, I started, you know, pursuing public relations roles and, you know, things of that nature. So I think for me, a lot of those experiences, the decisions were co-created. It was not something that I simply said, well, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. It was co-created out of necessity. Um, and if there's one thing that I want to share is that you can make decisions and you can always change your mind. You know, you're not locked into one decision one way or the other. If you have a general idea of what you want to achieve and where you want to go, then you can make that decision because everything is a learning process and you can't fail. You can only learn from, from those experiences. I left and I moved to California. I got married and I moved to California. And that was definitely um, a big decision. I'm still married mm -hmm. to my husband, my college sweetheart. And, you know, 
how do you how do you sit down and and put that on a whiteboard? You don't, you know. So <laughs> you just you just make the decision that you feel is best for yourself at the time. Um, I know that there have been many instances where people have given me advice and I did not take it. One example was when I was working in the corporate space and I started locking my hair. My God, I had so many people tell me, you can't do that. You can't wear your locks in your hair. You can't, you're never going to get another job. Um, all of these things that were happening. And I mean, obviously, Casper, you could see what's in my hair, right? So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't listen to that. Um, honestly, did it hold me back? Possibly, possibly. Um, but I don't feel any regret about it. And so my, my experiences making decisions has been around first choosing what I want for myself and then taking time to feel how it's going to feel when I do it. Now, it may not happen right away because it took me several years before I started locking it. But once I made that decision, it was like, whoo, I'm done. I'm making it. So thinking about the car, it was my first car. It was out of necessity. It is nobody have time for making should I do this or should I do that? Is this is how much money you have? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> right. You have no options. So this is your, what you get. Your options are in this, this, or this. <laughs> you know? Right, right. You just want something to get you from point A to point B. Um, so for me, that decision-making process in terms of life changes have really been co-created by the circumstances that I was living in um, at the time. It, it definitely is a lot as far as just deciding through adulthood what big decisions you have to make. And I do agree as far as just you can go back and overall change your decision. Like it's not all set in stone. I guess that's still that fear of even though you know you can change different things in the long run, it still seems like a pretty big deal though. With buying a car, for example, and it's also expensive too, like, like buying a car, for example. <laughs> You're all like, oh yeah, I can change. I can change my opinion, or I can get a new car if all else fails, or if the car breaks down, or anything like that. But it's just in that moment where you're like, this is a lot of money. Um, I'm not sure that if anything does change, that it's going to be able to change like super quickly if it needs to. What advice do you have as far as that? How do you get rid of those thoughts of like, oh, I get it, I can change my decision, but. It's going to be like long-term, long-term wise, if I wanted to change anything. Yeah, I love that you brought this up because what you're talking about is fear, right? It's the fear that I might make the wrong decision or I might make a big mistake so big that it would be catastrophic. And mm -hmm. what does catastrophic look like? I would say play with the fear, dance with the fear. Keep asking yourself. One of my mentors had said this, you know, exercise. Okay, keep asking yourself, what's the worst that could happen? Well, I buy the wrong car and I don't like it. Okay, and then what? So, well, I don't like it and I'm driving around and people are like, you driving around in a car you don't like. Okay. And then what happens? And then I'm just feeling like a loser. Okay. And then what happens? So I'm feeling like a loser. And, and then what? And then, well, that's it. I just feel like that. Okay. So you didn't die. You're not going to die. And so <laughs> right. through all the way, what's the worst that can happen? And can you live with what you think the worst is? 
And if you can't, can you talk to someone about it? Hey, I think if I buy this car, I'm going to end up feeling like a loser because you've already gone through all those what, 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 why process and Mm -hmm. talking to someone about how you feel making this decision. And, you know, someone who's supportive, someone who can help you um, come to grips with realizing that it may not be as bad as you think at the time and, and, and helping you to think through solutions. Well, if you do feel like a loser at the end of the day, what do you feel? How can you shift that around? What's the positive about this? Well, you know what? 50% of people in the world do not have a car. I have a car. I don't have to take the bus. Mm-hmm. That aspect of problem solving, decision making and problem solving, you know, start with yourself and really walk through the fear and dance with the fear um, and see if you can live with that outcome. And if you can't talk to someone who can help you think through other alternatives and solutions that maybe at the end of that conversation, you may say, all right, then I know I'm not buying this car. I definitely agree with all of those points, especially when it comes to just being able to talk with someone. Not necessarily being able to get their opinion on your next step, but just being able to, I don't want to say like vent, but just to, just to talk about your, your circumstances in general. It, it really does help to get a second, a second year to at least, or at least somebody to talk to, to let them know exactly what you're going through and, and get that overall support. The worst case scenario a bit, especially like that point that you had brought up as well, and I don't know if you watch This Is this is Us, but there's basically a power couple on there that essentially focuses on like, okay, worst case scenario, what will happen as a result of these things? It really is an important strategy to use, not with just focusing on buying a car, but also going back to the career stage. I know a lot of young professionals, they want to pursue like a super big career that perhaps their parents don't approve of, even after they graduate from school. But perhaps that could be a situation where they could just sit down with themselves and say, okay, worst case scenario, if I pursue this, if I go out to Hollywood or try to become an actress, if if I do that and that doesn't work out for me, worst case scenario, I would have to move back in with my parents, get a job at a company that I don't want. And then comparing that to what you would do if you didn't pursue the field of what you wanted to go into. You may or may not be living with your parents but it would still be with the company that you wouldn't necessarily like to work with at the first place. Mm -hmm. And then you can also look at find examples of people who have done what you want to do. People who have pursued a career path that may have been different from what their parents uh, wanted. You know, I'm reminded of Lavi Ajayi, um, her story and how she, you know, talks about how you, that's the path. Your parents want you to be a doctor, a lawyer, yep. or a failure, right? <laughs> right, right. Look at people who have chosen um, a path or made a choice that you may be considering and look to them for inspiration to see how they handled it, how they process it. Um, and with that framing of what if it works? Yeah, what if it works? We're quick to focus on what, it, what, what if it doesn't, but what if it does? Going back to the whole sense of intuition. I know that you brought that up earlier. Could you walk us through the difference between intuition and fear? Looking for a house, for example. There's fear throughout that entire process, right? You're just wondering like, okay, is this really fear saying, oh, this is a terrible idea? Or is it more of like 
that intuition of like, hey, this um, you should probably look towards something else. This uh, this isn't right for you specifically. How do you yourself tell the difference between the two in such big scenarios? So it's very difficult. Let me just say, if you haven't spent the time to build a self-awareness and really understand what's driving your decisions and what's driving your actions and why you do the things you do, where your belief patterns um, came from and how they were formed, it's extremely hard. And even if you've spent time, you still have to cultivate it and make it a practice. So internally, intuitively, spiritually, we have the answers that we're looking for. And one of the things or tools that I use is to also get people to to get in a space of quiet and to ask themselves that question. I use journaling, so I journal a lot. And so if you actually sit down and, and ask yourself the question, you will find the answer. It's like when you are thinking about a project or something that you need to do, it might be buying the house. And if you harp too much on it and you harp too much on it, you may not get what you feel is right, the next right step. But if you go for a walk or if you're in the shower or if you're hanging out with friends, you might get that knowing, that feeling, that sign um, that says, you know what, I should do that. Now, once you get that feeling or that knowing, the challenge is trusting it. That's the key. Trusting it. That's true. Trusting our intuition is such a big challenge for so many people. And we see it all the time. Something as simple as what to wear. Instead of trusting yourself on making that decision, you have mm-hmm. to call five different people. What should I wear? What should I wear? What should I wear? Oh, you should wear this shirt. You oh, know, I don't really like that shirt. But since three people <laughs> tell you that they like it, you go and you wear that shirt, but you don't mm-hmm. like it. So you're not trusting your own decision and intuition. So we're looking for that external validation. That's why I say it's a very big process, but to be gentle with yourself and to start to build those um, pieces bit by bit, start small, you know, maybe instead of you're, you're going out to eat and you're like, I don't know what I want, you know, just order for me, making a small step to say, this is what I want, you know, get comfortable saying, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I need. Uh, what, what do I need in this moment? What do I want in this moment? How do I want to feel in this house? And listen to what comes up. Yeah, I like that. And I definitely agree too, as far as just journaling and doing certain things that'll keep your mind off of the decision for a little bit. I feel like that's the best point in time where random thoughts suddenly come to you and they're like, oh, hey, here's an idea. There's a solution. And you're like, oh, hey, I would have never thought of that. There was this one practice that I learned back in back in undergrad where we were basically journaling everything for our particular class. But the thing with journaling within that class was we had X amount of minutes or seconds to write about how we were feeling and everything. We were actually just had to write down exactly what we were thinking, as many words as possible. And so I feel like that too helps as far as just an overall practice of speed writing. So that you're not overthinking anything, you just immediately write what exactly you're thinking in a certain period of time. Just some follow-up questions, Monique. When you're trying to make a decision, how do you decipher between when you actually do need help in a decision versus you really should trust 
the decision that you believe you should make. How do you determine when you need help versus moving forward with the decision you make? Yes, yes, that's correct. You you rephrased it perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) So if I want to think back about the times when I felt like I needed help, it's because I felt that I was stuck. Sometimes I did not have enough emotional reserves or energy or confidence to make that decision on my own. And so, again, that was trusting myself to say, all right, girl, you need to go and get some help. And and so this whole process is listening to yourself. There's no checklist to say, all right, if your left eye starts twitching, you need help with this decision. If you feeling like you are, you know, just overwhelmed, you need to get help because when we do feel like we're overwhelmed, if we take the time to go through the process that we discussed in terms of listening to yourself, and then you get to that point where you feel like, okay, I'm still not at that place where I feel comfortable and I do need to get help. That's when you make the decision. Like uh, you don't want to overthink it, you know, just, you don't want to overanalyze. You don't want to put so much pressure on yourself because there's so much pressure just in general, in living. So in the area of decision-making, a lot of people tend to procrastinate and they procrastinate with decision-making because either they don't have enough information, which is one. Okay, why am I procrastinating on this decision? Oh, okay, because I don't know how much it's really gonna cost. I don't know if I could do this by myself. I don't know, you know, all of those things. So if you need more information and that's the reason why you're procrastinating, then you can find the solution and get that um, part of the decision-making process solved. Or you could say, well, I need to have X amount of information in order for me to make this decision. It may not be everything complete, but I need to know at least, you know, what is the environment like? Um, what is the community like? How much is it going to cost me in the long run? Can I make money back on my investment? Things like that. You may have to have a criteria that you set for yourself to say, okay, I need this much to make this decision. So now if you have the information and you have your criteria in order to take that next step, and then you get into that emotional piece. It's like, okay, I have what I need, but I just don't know. I'm afraid. That's the fear that's hijacking you. And then you go through that exercise, you know, worst case scenario, and what if it works? And if you're still going through those processes and you're still not making a choice, I think that's when you may want to say, well, let me look at, at getting some outside help. I know for me, again, going on the handy dandy YouTube uh, (laughs) and just other different types of techniques that I would be able to look more into before making a more informed decision was not only essential, but it made me more confident in figuring out what steps I wanted to do in moving forward from that point onward. Even if it's not within that moment, I like to take some time. I like to just give it like a, a day or a night just to sleep on decisions before I, before I move forward. One of the things I realized early on is that coaching was a game changer. Uh, coaching and therapy are two tools that enhance and facilitate self-awareness. And decision-making falls in the category of self-management in the framework of emotional intelligence. So I would say use resources like coaching and or therapy 
to help you get more in tune with yourself because sometimes your decisions are um, just because you have shame attached to what the outcome is or you are afraid of sharing um, your vulnerability or being vulnerable. And so you could have all the tactics and frameworks in the world about how to process and make decisions. But if you're not addressing the emotional element um, that could be attached to vulnerability or shame or embarrassment, then it's going to be an endless cycle. So I would say definitely get into coaching and or therapy. Make sure you have those tools in your toolkit to take you from good to great, or if you're already great, great to greater. And if you're greater, greater to your best version of yourself. Monique, thank you so much for coming on to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. And thank you audience for listening. I'd like to hear from you all as we continue with season three. What do you want to chat about? Who do you want me to bring onto the show? Feel free to reach out at caspielbias at gmail.com. Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias is a production of C Bias Productions, LLC. For more episodes of Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias, visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.